Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. Time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 7 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw. With me today is the regular crew. We got Janelle Wheeler here with us. Hey, everybody. Matthew Aguilar is here with us. What's up? And back in his comfortable lounge position is producer Jim Viscardi over there. Hello. <laughs> delay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's and a satellite that, uh, delay. It's well, very it's weird. big. Sometimes big I get studio. used to the uh, <laughs> like being able to see myself in the camera shot, and there is zero of those here. So that's why I'm like, well, you're just going to do it without being able to look at yourself. <laughs> no light. I think you can handle this. But I got it. We're I'll here today okay. to talk about a variety of topics after the long uh, holiday weekend. And they're going to be all over the place, so uh, yeah, let's follow this trail. We're going to talk today about what's going on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and a possible further evidence of the next big bad coming for Phase 4. We're also going to talk about our first look at Venom 2 and the major character reveal we got for that. We're going to have to debate this whole Planet of the Apes reboot that's coming down the pike and what that means for the franchise. Plus, we got all the good usual stuff like Matt dropping our new comics of the week, and some things we might get to if we have some time. So stay tuned for all of that. Up at the top, like I said, we're going to talk Venom 2 today because uh, this is one of the bigger kind of comic book movies we have coming down in this god-awful year of movies that is 2020. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it really is terrible. I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb and say movie. Venom 2 will probably be the the movie, the superhero movie that makes the most money this year. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm not going really? there. More than yeah. Wonder Woman? I mean, who knows? Yes. Oh, g- yeah. Did you say more than Wonder More one? than Wonder, Wonder Woman. Woman. Ooh, wow. I don't know about, yeah, I don't know. I'm not going there quite yet. That's just going from like zero all the way out. Jim doesn't no even, yeah. like, we're five minutes into the show and he's already late. Yeah, I mean, we're not going that far in the hyperbole, but uh, I'm just going to stick to what we do know is we got our first look at uh, Venom 2 shooting and our first big character reveal in uh, Woody Harrelson's Cletus Cassidy, who we met before in the end of the first Venom, of course, in the post credit scene, but uh, let's not count that because <laughs> well, I was I'm, shoddy and I'm I'm very curious, like, why does it look so different? I was going to ask you guys Well, I mean, we have a whole new kind of creative team behind this one, whole new director with uh, Andy Serkis taking over. So, I mean, this is kind of just, I mean, pretty much I think the thing we'll have saved are the visual effects for Venom they have stored on the computer somewhere. (laughs) Good, because those were great. I liked them. And that all was great. And so I think, and Tom Hardy's back, and everything else is pretty much Love Tom Hardy. Okay. new take on Venom here, so... That's why it's going to look different and kind of feel different. And so we kind of got our flavor of what Circus is kind of going for with this in our first real look at what an expanded look at Cletus Cassidy would look like out and about in the world and not just locked up with a bad wig. And uh, <laughs> first things first, like, what? you know, you got, Woody Harrelson's uh. like on the Nick Cage spectrum <laughs> of people that you got to really kind of take a look at what hairstyles they give him in every movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got to say, the one from the set photos we've seen is Cletus Cassidy kind of look is all right. It's good. Yeah. yeah. I, just hope, I just hope that there's a better. scene where you see him getting a haircut. I mean, that would yeah. be great. I mean, if he breaks out of <laughs> prison and kind of gets himself groomed, that'd, yep. be, that'd be, nice. be nice. And he looks like the kind of guy that would do that because, I mean, it looks kind of like Woody Harrelson in, in uh, Natural Born Killers flavor with the way he dresses and the kind of, he's driving a convertible yeah. red. And if you look in the background scenes of the set videos and all that. So, like, yeah, I mean, he's kind of like a flamboyant Woody Harrelson-ish type character. And this is going to be the take he has on... Cletus Cassie, it's very much going to be Mickey Mallory or like, uh, yeah, like I said, natural born killers. So that image we got, that was posted by Hardy on his Instagram. Is that right? Um, Yes. So I went and tried to find it 
and it wasn't there. I think he took yeah, it down. down. Yeah, he it's took it down, down now. I'm curious I'm sure. why that happened. Well, I'm sure he wasn't ready for the amount of exposure that it was going to oh, get. Okay. And you don't want to make your, like, typically in movies like like with the Batman, they put that out because they're going to start shooting that movie and we're going to start seeing the costume. And they were like, typically you want to get ahead of that by putting out official images of your characters and oh, whatnot. Oh, okay, I got you. So that you can, people will see them in the context of what they'll look like in the movie and, like, kind of... The full visual concept. It's so great as to see to like, just, like seeing movie people stars out on the street. Yeah, it's great to see movie stars screwing up. Like. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're not always so great with their phones either. Like, uh, yeah, them and their tweeting and Instagramming is, isn't always perfect. <laughs> yeah, studios get pissed a lot about <laughs> things they did. Tom Holland, but um, <laughs> yeah. So we got to look at Cleves Cassie, and then Poor we got some off. set video to go with it. That showed a moment that looks like he gets approached by police and is going to get kind of attacked and shot up, but is going to kind of stand there and maybe, I mean, he's just standing there in in the actual footage and is just kind of holding up his hands and like tweaking out or something. But it looks like this will be a a uh, post-production effect to kind of make him carnage out in this moment. And uh, yeah, so those are our set kind of things. And the thing for fans to know is like, yes, he has a much better hairstyle and there looks to be like a solid kind of character concept behind this this version of Cletus Cassidy, which I'm excited to see more of. Yeah. And, of course, we want to see the full Carnage visual design and effects. Uh, still no cardiac spotted in the set video mm. yet, Matt. Missing out, Sony. <laughs> you never know. Maybe they stopped by a hospital. So Missing you never out. know. Oh, my gosh. We, oh, my gosh. We had, like, a Carnage cardiac. That'd be amazing. So uh, has made that happen in my mind. It's as awesome. a person who's like been deep in Carnage recently in the last year and is wearing Carnage colors right now. What'd you think? Uh, I oh my gosh, I didn't really think about that. I am wearing Carnage <laughs> colors. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, I thought it looked good. I agree. I mean, I I feel like you almost have to put a like a disclaimer on the post credit scene of the other one because it was just absolutely awful. So anything really would be better than that what we saw. So, I mean, I'm encouraged by this. Uh, You know, I feel like this will go down as uh, BD's second favorite MCU movie. Oh, man, I love it. Expert levels of shade with that one. I love it. I love it. I really do. Love you, BD. All right. Well, that'll do it for Venom 2. And we're going to hop right on over to talk about the Planet of the Apes. As you guys may know, Planet of the Apes is a movie franchise. And, you know, a couple years back in the 2010s, they proposed they were going to reboot it, and everybody was like, what the hell are you going to do with that? And then they started telling us about James Franco and, like, a movie about a monkey becoming intelligent. And we, everybody was like, oh, man, this is going to be an epic disaster. <laughs> and then we all turned out to be wrong. Rise of the Planet of the Apes actually got the ball rolling. And then uh, Matt Reeves jumped in and took over and made Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, which was, like, one of my favorite sci-fi movies of the 2000s and then wow. finished it off with cool. War of the For the Planet of the Apes and we were all like by all against all odds they made a Planet of the Apes trilogy they made trilogy a trilogy that was wow. better than anything we'd seen from the franchise before so when we got word that like Fox was going back to the well and they're going to be doing more Planet of the Apes we were all kind of like okay you know all right like there's a franchise and where War of the Planet of the Apes ended, there, there's still a gap in between the mythology, between when they finally get rid of all the humans and when we get the full kind of half-buried Statue of Liberty, yeah. Dr. Zaius running stuff, mm-hmm. kind of Planet of the Apes from the classic movie. So we all thought, like, maybe, like, yeah, that'll be the kind of next trilogy, the fill-in gap that actually builds us the Planet of the Apes. Nah, this is Hollywood, <laughs> so we're not doing that. That's not what's happening. Instead, what we've learned over the kind of the course of the last week since our last show is we're going back to the drawing board and doing yet another Planet of the Apes reboot. Why? Which, exactly, which is why the only reason this exe- this segment exists on this show currently is to ask the question, why and or what the hell? Uh, yeah, that like, doesn't yeah. make it. I, I only get if we were 10 years removed. Yeah, right? But like, that makes sense. The last one came out, what, four years ago? Yeah, and it's... I don't now. Here's the thing. I would be curious to, I would be curious to be in on the meetings that said, was there was the original plan a sequel with Matt Reeves attached, and that guy is just hitting on all cylinders. He's going to be busy with Batman movies if, as long as this one does well for the foreseeable future, right? So, was the original plan that, and then it just didn't work out, and then they were like, well, we don't want to just bring in another director. 
to it's take just, it over. And it's just Disney being petty. Crash it. So do we just want to start over? I think I agree. It's way too soon. I, I don't know why they're starting over yeah. this soon. And it's with uh, Maze Runner director Wes Ball, who's going to be directing this new version. And, they, you know, he's already out there doing the jazz hand saying, it's going to be something new and special. We found a way <laughs> to make this more special. And it's like, bro, this is about apes becoming smarter apes and taking over the planet like there's only so many uh, the only thing you can really update is to talk about the ways in which we are totally effed and this happens yeah before when we got this in 2010s it was all about like gene research and and all that stuff that led to kind of a mass disaster now who knows i'm sure it'll be something sociopolitical that they're gonna be like we're all acting like animals anyway it should be a planet of the apes 10 bucks says that's it yeah (laughs) i I could totally see that happening yeah i mean who knows like maybe we devolve into apes or something like that yeah not granted we did write off the last one and it was because I was I was there with you. I wrote I wrote that off. I heard that idea and went. The originals are classics. We saw what happened the last time you tried to reboot it. Tim Don't Burton. touch it. And then they proved me wrong. And they're like, "Wow, that was a great not even yeah. one movie but three movies." So maybe they have it, but I will say I'm not confident. Well, I mean, like I'm just not looking forward to it. As oh, I spit not on it. my radar. I mean, the de-evolution thing sounds like the most logical way they would go with this. Yeah, we find out it's not apes become smarter. We just become more apish again. Yeah, so that'd be a twist. But um, yeah, that it, you already called. Yeah, <laughs> but you know you can't. I, I call a lot of things. It makes my life less enjoyable. But <laughs> that's neither here nor there. The thing about this is, even if this does succeed, unlike the first time, I'm almost kind of going to be more upset if this does turn out to succeed because then that's just one more step to getting towards this kind of constant reboot cycle like that doesn't end and this will just help justify it because like nothing even stands the test of time Mm -hmm. for like five years now before we're just like whoop gotta do that again let's get back on that ride (laughs) like are we going somewhere new nope we're just gonna redesign the track same old track new paint job let's do it again and it's like okay um you know eventually in my lifetime i do want to get to more stories besides planet of the apes like five different ways yeah i've already had the classics which went on way too long <laughs> like way too long by the end of the series was yeah, crazy long. uh then the tim burton thing oh my god <laughs> oh. wow yeah yeah a lot of actors spend a lot of time acting like monkeys and apes in like kind of method acting as apes so yeah, and then we got these that beat all the odds and were awesome. And unless this monk, this new franchise has a monkey riding a horse with two machine guns, <laughs> you're never going to equal the greatness <laughs> of the previous franchise. It's so true. Because I think also, too, like this, I think, is more of a franchise at this point that is best suited for television. Yeah. Something yeah. that's a bit more episodic, more time spent, like a Netflix style. Yeah. That's a great if, point. If Show. that had been announced, I'd be more, I feel excited. Yeah. Because then you can really change up the, the way that's you my deliver Because that's my biggest criticism of the movies. And like, like even the last ones, like I, I've liked them. Yeah. But I've wanted to spend more time in that world. And I don't know necessarily how you do it in a movie that still feels satisfying. Whereas if you get a bit more time to spend with some more of the characters, yeah. then I think you've got something. I agree. Right. really cool. I think... I mean, it's a miracle this has ever worked. (laughs) (laughs) I agree with that, too. It's a miracle the first one's a classic. Um, Oh, my gosh. So stupid when you really step back on paper and look at it. Uh, Sure. Yeah, so, I mean, it was a miracle times two when they got those reboot ones to work. So, I don't know, man. I'm just going to sit back and watch. And if it turns out to be exactly what I think it's going to be, I'm just going to be like, I'm going to quit this job and go into Hollywood as just a cocaine-fueled idea man who just starts screaming out things. <laughs> yeah. Yes, this time, we the apes don't become us, we become the apes. You got it? <laughs> like, yeah, it's the reboot of Kofi. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's my next act. So, all right. We'll see how this all goes. We'll see how this movie goes and my career future. All right. <laughs> Moving right along, though, uh, we're going to stop and just talk really quick about Star Wars. So, uh, this whole Rise of Skywalker might feel like so 2019, but uh, it's apparently not dead because as we are getting reboot culture uh, going and thriving, there's always petition culture to go along with it, <laughs> with reboots. Uh, the uh, unintended offspring of reboots are petitions for more reboots and or, or director's cuts. And yeah, we're back to Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. People have not gotten less angry about this as more information has come out, including Colin Trevorrow's script that showed us like... <laughs> 
Duel of the Fates, which was a much better episode nine than we got. Man, I that really want to awesome. see that. Yeah, that, that looked really awesome. Yeah. But we've learned more and more details about everything that was kind of cut and remixed and hacked up in JJ's version. And so now we got that Rise of the Skywalker JJ cut, which we talked about before on the show, like was becoming a hashtag and a trending topic. Well, welcome to petition land because now it's a petition. Yay. So far, though, I mean, it, it's just whimpering along. It's only got like five. I think when we wrote the article about it, it was like 5,000 something signatures. It's probably up a couple more thousand. Who knows? I'll have to check. But uh, we're not like at 100,000 or anything crazy like that yet. So still just a kind of small collected pocket of angry nerds right now. But uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, but I just hoping to... to release it with the DVD or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. The home release. No. 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 You don't think Lucas, that would ever happen? No. no. Lucasfilm and Disney are never going <laughs> to. To do that would be them just being like, you're right, guys. We really screwed <laughs> this one up. But here oh, you go. God. Like, they're never going to do that. Like, yeah, you're never going to see that. Like, I, I think you'd have less chance of seeing the, of the Abrams cut than seeing the Snyder cut for Justice League. Wow. Like, much less. Say. Yeah, Bob Iger's Bob Iger will kill everybody who knew that cut existed before he releases it to the public. Like, like I would even say, like, you would have a better chance of seeing the Snyder cut of Justice League tomorrow than you getting anything to of Disney to be like, like Disney will not say will won't even acknowledge that the Abrams cut exists. Nope. They're like like oh, in, wow. in ways that Warner Brothers has kind of been like, well, you know, it's there's some parts line. of it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, to be fair though, it doesn't help Warner Brothers that like literally the human leak himself, Zack Snyder, <laughs> keeps doling out stuff. <laughs> like, yeah, the Trevor script leaked and like a couple of other things. It's but because JJ the cast it's because JJ Abrams would like to continue to work. Yeah. But Snyder is just like, oh, here you go. Like just feeding. Well, he con- waited the years <laughs> till his like contract was up and he got all his final money. And then he mm-hmm. was like, if Abrams so- was shilling out stuff like he is, you might have a little bit of like. Yeah, but JJ is such a company, man. That's never happening. Yeah, exactly. like, so, yeah, you never. I mean, just save yourself some effort on a petition, guys. You're never going to see that. The version of Star Wars you got is the version that it is, and it's, you know, that's the ending we got. So, yeah, see you in the next trilogy. (laughs) All right, moving right along. I guess we got time. So uh, we'll talk really quick about this new Netflix trailer for uh, I Am Not Okay With This. For Love Is Blind? Oh, sorry. What was that? For Love Is Blind? No, no. no, (laughs) Get your reality show. (laughs) That's for the group chat podcast, which you can check out on uh, popculture.com. That's it. Awesome podcast uh, where Jim can dump his reality show crap. I want to make sure James puts me on uh, next week's uh, yeah you can get your reality show fix over there you and the audience um not on my damn podcast but uh (laughs) here we're gonna talk about the trailer real quick for uh i am not okay with this which stars the uh, girl who plays uh bev in the it movies and it's kind of this kind of weird superhero coming of age story from the female perspective about a young teenage girl who lost her father and having a hard time but finds out she has superpowers and i thought this was kind of an interesting trailer because i i had heard the hype about it like yesterday or so when it came out but i didn't bother to watch it so i was just kind of like sitting around but Mm -hmm. i did because i got to prepare for this podcast but i know it was kind of interesting it's kind of like a weird catcher in the rye with superpowers yeah uh it's very kind of like a female holding call field like everybody sucks all of this there's some cursing dropped in just just to let you know it's edgy sort of like it feels more coming of age like kind of how it really is for kids now like not the super rainbow and lollipop like we're just trying to make this look cute and Catchy is that, is that what that. you think the kids are into? Because they're no. into thirteen reasons why, and like I'm why t- are kids oh. off of themselves? Well, that's like, also yeah. like then you have the the vampire <laughs> the diaries and that whole thing too. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. She's just I feel like she's repping the nerds, and that's why I, I'm drawn to her. Like she I mean, feels yeah. like a geek, and I love that about her. Like I relate to her just in this trailer, like me in high school, then... You started off Dear Diary, F you. That was I, like I actually, yeah. Oh, yeah, I had a lot of anger issues. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. <laughs> then this is why this is striking a chord, as Janelle just said. <laughs> uh, they're keeping it real for this. But, um, yeah, I mean, Netflix is kind of gradually keeps dipping a toe deeper and deeper into these superhero kind of blended series, like Raising Dion, now this, and like, yeah... So, I mean, I don't have too much to say about it. I think Janelle said it. I think it looks pretty I great. It's smart from their perspective to keep doing that because they're blending. They're, they, they've already found a great niche within genre TV. Mm-hmm. And they also have a great semi-group on like 
the comedies and little edgier drama dramedies or whatever for that from, age group. It's from the same people who did Stranger Things too, so it has a little bit yeah, of that right? vibe. Yeah, right. So there, there's a perfect spot that they've found, and yeah, this just feels a little bit like that. It's good. Yeah, yeah. I'm cool. I'm excited to see it. Well, Matt, as a superhero expert, how do you feel on the uh, comic booky side of this? What do you mean? Like, how do you feel as a comic book expert about this show? Oh, I feel fine. I never. We're never thrown to your for expertise. I never. <laughs> I never know, but I never have an issue with um, like them taking a little bit of a different tact or or putting a, a spin on it. Like, I never have an, an issue with that. I'm always kind of open to that. Now, if you don't execute well, c- cool. I will grade that. But as far as like being initially like, oh, it's it's a unique spin, and also you have to remember, right? I have to then look at it, and I feel like you're this way. We have to look at it through a different age group's like eyes. Like this is not for this is not for me. This is for like a different group. So I feel like you know, with a little girl on the way, right, or already here, like she's she's gonna grow up with this kind of thing, and I think it's gonna be great for her audience. So all right, maybe we'll keep you on retainer a little longer. <laughs> so called expertise. Look, I just think it's interesting though that like I appreciate the fact that Netflix is kind of expanding its horizon as far as comic books, graphic novels, and the market that the product that it can adapt. Yeah. Um, and not everything needs to be superhero stuff. And But no, I think, like, like I said, it, it, it's going to be good because then, then it opens the doors for more stuff like this, I think, to yeah. start getting. Like yeah, with, they got to ward off that Disney Plus, HBO Max. Like I'm just waiting to hear Netflix at some point in time down the road adapt Rat Queens. I feel like Rat Queens is just like perfect for Netflix in this type of demographic. Like you would speak to a mm-hmm. mix and it's fun, kind of irreverent. They always do stuff that's slightly edgy, but not edgy enough to like put off people. I feel like Rat Queens is like perfect and it has that kind of vibe. So I think at some point that needs to happen. All right. Check out the trailer for I Am Not Okay With This on comicbook.com movies or TV, not movies. My God. All right. When we come back. We are going to jump into a deep dive discussion about the next possible big bad of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We are going to recap what happened at NXT's TakeOver Portland, and Matt's going to break down the new comics. So a lot of this is going to be Matt talking, which is good for me. Stay tuned. (laughs) (laughs) Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. All righty then. So ever since like Avengers Endgame came out, of course, you know, Endgame ended the last phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And we've all been wondering, like, what comes next? What's going to happen next? And uh, we've gotten phase four and the rollout of that has been kind of reserved still. I mean, just things happening on Earth with uh, the, you know, with Black Widow and Shang-Chi, the Eternals could be all over the place. We don't know really a lot about that or kind of what the specific story of story of Love and Thunder will be for Thor Love and Thunder. But we've all been kind of like wondering what the next Thanos would be, like the next big bad that kind of brings all of this together under one overarching kind of story arc, you know, over the next phase or so that would end to the next big of crossover event. And ever since Endgame came out and did this whole thing with a time heist and establishing the Marvel Cinematic Multiverse, uh, one of the clear fan theories has centered on the next big bad for Phase 4 being Kang the Conqueror. It's something we've talked about here when we did our Endgame wrap-up. It's something we've written kind of extensively about on the site. Yeah. But this week we got the rumor that kind of took that theory one more step closer to becoming a reality, which is that Kang will be coming to the MCU and that how they will kind of introduce him will be through the Loki TV series. 
which if we had heard this like a week or two ago, like we would all been like, eh, I don't know, like maybe that's just kind of throwing stones at the wall. But then we got the Super Bowl and we got the big game spot for Disney Plus and the one shot of Loki they put in there kind of has opened, cracked open the window on this because, of course, Loki is, it presents the series as him almost like giving an account of while he's being arrested and interrogated by the Time Variance Authority, which is, you know, we had Janelle break down what that was oh, for you. Oh, gosh, it's so cool. Janelle, you want to break it down what it, it is just for everybody? Ever, it's the Time Police. It's the police that are coming after you if you splinter, if you create a splinter in time. And he did that with the Tesseract, and so they're gunning for him, I'm guessing. Can you imagine six months? She couldn't even spell Loki. Oh, my gosh, I'm so excited. <laughs> like <laughs> Six months ago. This is what this podcast does. We are uh, like, a, we should be an accredited school as well as a oh podcast. God. But all right. But that was beautifully, beautifully done. Yes, that's exactly what it is. So, naturally, we saw the Time Variance Authority, and that has opened the door to, once again, make it very plausible that Kang could be a part of that series, even if he's not a major direct part of it. But this would be the first introduction to him. To know what to know about Kang the Conqueror, if you're not familiar with Marvel Comics, well, he is, as his name says, a dude named Kang in armor who conquers things with his army. And he does it by hopping through different epics of time and transporting his army and conquering things for the sheer love of combat and conquer and controlling things. That's the beginning point. Here's where it fits into Phase 4 and Loki and Doctor Strange possibly and all the other kind of things we're building to in Phase 4. Kang is also like four different people in the Marvel Universe. Each of them kind of key pivotal people because over the course of his life, which is of course not a linear time life because he time travels all the time yeah so he's spent different portions of his life in different places that include he's been the pharaoh ramatut in ancient egypt and was responsible in helping kind of shape the fantastic four and that whole thing and apocalypse and the celestial all that stuff he was as a young man he came and tried to avoid his fate of becoming an evil warlord and became iron lad and helped form the young avengers which is slowly taking shape in phase four of the mcu he's also immortus a guy who is assigned by the timekeepers who are created beings created to preserve time they were created in the end of time by the time variance authority right before it kind of went and fell apart the last director created the time beings who in turn turned kang into immortus who is the keeper of time. So he's also that as an old man. He's the mayor of a town when he just wants to go on vacation <laughs> in the early 1900s, like when he just wants to get I'm away so for a little bit. I'm so happy I did my research. I, I know all this. Comments. I am not yeah. glassing over right now. I, I forget, actually know I what you're saying. Name. Oh, his name is like Mr. Timely or something like that. that. Like <laughs> Mayor Timely. Because that's just when he wants to unwind. He just uh. goes to the 1900s and becomes a mayor of a small Illinois town. So this dude is like all over the place. And and for people who don't know all this crazy timey-wimey stuff, like these are reveals that are built into where you could just have what is seemingly like a different character showing up yeah. in phase four at these key different places played yeah. by different actors or just because you don't see who's under the armor as yeah. Kang before you would meet the actor playing Ramatut. The young Iron Lad would be a completely different actor and Immortus would arguably be a different actor too yeah. or the Ramatut actor just aged up. This is what kind of makes sense and as the pieces begin to fall in place for everything you have what happened at the end of Endgame in the Mar in the cinematic multiverse with Captain America Loki creating these alternate timelines you got kind of WandaVision and Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness beginning to possibly open up to things that alternate realities and alternate kind of time streams things like that Loki is going to be messing with the time variance authority and connect back to Doctor Strange we know through all these things then you have, again, like the Eternals and whatever that is going on with that and the Celestials and time. And so, yeah, it seems like this is a if there was ever a time in the Marvel Cinematic Universe to shove Kang and all this time travel and all these different personas in there and use them to do the most work you could possibly do to connect and introduce new things like Fantastic Four, like Young Avengers, mm -hmm. um, or even like Apocalypse and Next Men eventually, like this would be probably the time to do it, which is why this rumor seems a little bit more credible than most. Yeah. And like, like we said, this doesn't have to be major in Loki. Like it's just, you could just be at the Time Variance Authority in a scene. Yeah. And right. see like wanted criminals, like blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I'm curious about to see how big this his other guy, is. You know? Yeah. Yeah. The other guy who's running through time and doing all kinds of crazy I, stuff. I'm guessing Owen Wilson won't be cast as him. Owen Wilson's definitely, I mean, what 
Do we have I think we would all, on that? I think we would all have wow. to change our trousers if we found out that Owen Wilson will be playing Kang. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, I didn't even mention he's a descendant of the Fantastic Four. That's his real identity. Mm-hmm. He's a descendant of Reed Richards. So, like, yeah. So once we oh, get into that, that's, that's automatically. That's what's so interesting like, yeah. to me. He yeah. doesn't have any superpowers. No. Like, he just got Doctor Doom's time info, travel stuff and he and was like, like yeah, yo, I'm going to be yeah. this huge villain. And it's just really yeah, he cool. He studied the smartest guys in the past. Yeah. Future Tech decided to just become somebody different and, you know, got to conquering. And he's a giant jerk. Yeah. That's what, <laughs> he's a giant jerk in the books, like, all the time. Well, that's is, what's funny is, like, Kang is a giant jerk, while Immortus is, like, kind of... Right, like, yeah. Is, Santa? like, the dad <laughs> who gets agitated listening to his yeah. son, the jerk. And, and Iron Lad is, like, meek and kind yeah. of, like, reserve, more reserved and, you know, like, yeah. It's, if, if anyone is reading the Doctor Doom comic series right now bring that up there is a scene in the last issue where it's kang and dr doom just having this conversation talking to each other and it is just perfect it's probably the best distilled version of kang yeah that i think you can get if you want to get an idea on who or what kang is check out that last issue of dr doom because it is just spot on perfect. And he's been popping up in the whole series yep. and having these little discussions and like Doctor Doom almost is like calling on him for like making deals on the fly, and it's it's really great. It's, wow. it's really good if you're interested in that. Also, that would just be the best way to like to me. That is a great way because I've never been a big Kang person in the books because again, he's used a lot, but he's never used like I me. wasn't until Avengers Forever. He's Avengers also got Forever a really limited dumb series, look. which is still one of my favorite Avengers stories of all time. Yeah, no pun intended because it is all about time travel, okay. but like. <laughs> That one okay. made Kang and Immortus and that whole thing so interesting. And it gave him shades of his character because it actually showed like mm-hmm. Kang as more than just arch warlord. It was like bored guy, could figure out what to do with his life. Yeah. And then uh, they like, go oh, and he's just chilling at Ramatud. He can't be happy there. He's like depressed. He's yeah. like, wow. <laughs> until he gets awesome. like some motivation to try to like kill Immortus and never become him and like do yeah. all this stuff. And it. And all that thing, like, about the causality of your life and how you can change and all that is very interesting to me. That's why I like him as a character. And I like the added dimensions they gave him, like, finding out, oh, crap, he, like, he was Iron Lad. Like, yeah. And then that whole story, which is tragic, is Iron Lad's fighting to never become Kang yeah. and kills Kang and then figures out because Kang has went through, all through time and just, just did all this stuff that's crucial to the Marvel Universe – there has to be a Kang, yeah. and he has to become Kang. Oh, my God. So yes. he killed himself, Young and by doing that, has to Whoa. be Young Avengers is so good. Oh. And, if you, and if you did that as, like, in a movie, that's, yeah. like, memento-level, yeah. like, things would just blow people's mind. And it would be great for us to be able to write some articles explaining it's all It's also, like, too, easy so to like, follow. For, for whatever reason, I'm following all of this information. All I did was find out what we were talking about today and then just go ham on the internet trying to figure out <laughs> yeah. Kang. And I was looking up all the articles yeah, that not, you guys have yeah. past written it's about. It's actually not a hard story to do. It's and like awesome. I said, for people who don't know, you would just watch these separate stories of, of Marvel movies and shows and you would watch the whole Young Avengers thing or the whole incident with actually taking on Kang. You might get Immortus start popping up in there. And it would have to be a big reveal to the non-fans that, hey, this is all the same, same person. Mm. And, like, this is one big Dang it. effect story. Maybe I shouldn't have done and all the digging. If Marvel Studios can pull <laughs> off like, the level of causality and, and effect in this, like, that would be awesome. And if they really had the, you know, the cojones to do the next crossover event and be something like an Avengers Forever like, that would be amazing because, like, I'm talking, like, down the line, like, phase yeah. four, five, something like that. Because then you could start to just play around with ideas, like, are we going to bring back some people? Like, Yeah, because mm-hmm. you're dealing with time. That, yeah. And now that's the only thing of it gets sticky very quickly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, like, we saw – we everyone analyzed Endgame down to its last, like, little pixel, right? Because it dealt with time travel. So now you're taking on a character that is literally all throughout the timeline at different spots. And you have to make all that work. Whoever the new, like, Russos are, I, I, I tip my hat to you. because that's writing be the cluster. time laws? <laughs> Yo, it's high risk. But if you can pull it off, yeah, the reveals off. and the kind of cause and effect, like I said, the causality loops and all that yeah. will just blow people's minds. It would be great, though. If they and if you did it. Avengers Forever and you start pulling back, like, a Downey and a Chris Evans oh and gosh. stuff like that. Because they pull those people from the time stream to fight on some ultimate Avengers team, like, yeah, that'd be crazy. It's the perfect really segue exciting. to get Dr. Doom in. Yeah. Fantastic Four. Four in. And it's also 
Perfect segue to get in Squirrel Girl because her and Kang have a long history and it's great and you can pull her in. I'm just saying. Because Squirrel Girl is the only person to defeat Dr. And out of all of this, this is Matt's take. (laughs) (laughs) If this Kang stuff happens, somewhere I'm getting my Squirrel Girl. I'm just saying. Perfect opportunity. Okay, I can't Bottom line, do you think that he'll be a major player in the series or do you think it will just be something I think Loki will just dip our toe into this. And, and introduce the fact that, you know, Loki is not the only kind of criminal running across time mm-hmm. doing stuff, that there are others oh. out there and that, you know, one so of the you don't think it'll be his main worst. villain on the show? Um, I'd be surprised. If they did it that early, that would, that would be very with surprising. how short Loki yeah. is. So, yeah. Because Loki's only, what, six episodes? Isn't Something like, like that. Six Something or? like that. But I think they're doing two seasons like they're filming are they doing multiple seasons okay like they're filming it back to back it would still be incredibly early to like push that kind of character out like in in that when you haven't really introduced yeah the like it would be weird especially with like loki how are they gonna do that like interesting if they put him in all these different movies and tv shows and everything how are they gonna make it digestible for people who maybe don't watch Loki, but just see Doctor Strange, or you know, like that's where well, I. Get, we're not. I mean, those so people good. are off the train. Like, yeah, this train's leaving. I know. Us. I know. Yeah, it's I all the Disney point, Plus series and yeah. all the movies now. You got to be in. I think at this I mean, point, I'm in. they just assume that you've either seen it or you know yeah. someone who has who can give you a <laughs> quick explanation in the middle of the or movie you go to sites like ours for like a breakdown of book.com. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, that's all stuff. I mean, like. In all honesty, though, we do – I mean, that's the big questions that we got to figure out and kind of get underneath us. But like we said, it's a big risk, but it could be big rewards. So really exciting. keep an eye on that. Yeah, because uh, I love Kang and I want to see this happen. All right. Well, that does it for my segment of the show. Now I get to relax a bit. Yes. So, Matt, Jim, take us through some wrestling. NXT TakeOver Portland happened this past weekend, and – there have been some big announcements in WWE since since that all went down, both related to and just in and around this event. Like NXT, uh, for the I mean, we me and Connor had talked about it uh, last time on the show, where you know if you were going to tune into a pay per view, NXT Takeover Portland was like the one to do. It was six matches, three hours. Every single match on that card delivered uh, something, whether it was just fun, like the Broserweights, uh, just ridiculous fun, or just amazing matches like Keith Lee uh, versus uh, Dijakovic. Did I say that right? I'm always screwing up his name, <laughs> Dominic Dijakovic. Um, uh, Tegan Knox versus Dakota Kai was fantastic. Uh, we had actually talked about on the show last time about one of the things we were taking away was that the, one of the main events was Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair. Uh, that was a fun match. That was a good match. Uh, but they did exactly what we thought they would do. And Charlotte came in, bum rushed uh, Rhea, and they uh, Bianca did not disappear because she was involved in the ruckus. But like essentially, they went here you go, and Charlotte <laughs> Rhea Ripley all the way, and she got kind of hosed. I thought she got oh kind of sure. hosed, especially with how great that match was. It was it was great. You immediately forgot about it as soon as Charlotte showed up. Yeah. I was just like that is and all the spotlight was on her and then she walked away and yes, at least they I mean, she had great. her throw Bianca like back in the ring or whatever. So it wasn't like oh she vanished <laughs> there, <laughs> but it was still like really like yeah. my my thing is I think the way that that this can be quote unquote saved because my biggest thing was I was hoping Charlotte and Bianca would do a program after Rhea does her thing at WrestleMania because obviously she will and that's a long time. win. So, yeah, you got a lot of times. I'm hoping Bianca in between, they can set up a little feud, keep her. Because Bianca's over. If you were on social media during the event, it was all about mm. Bianca. It wasn't about Charlotte. It wasn't about Rhea. It was about Bianca. Bianca owns. Like, she is amazing. Like, I, I love her wonder, though, on Black History in the if, Making. <laughs> if, they, if they have Rhea drop the belt in between now and WrestleMania, only to have her get it back for WrestleMania to then fight Charlotte or yeah. whatever. But, yeah, it, it it's weird timing-wise because there's not a lot... Like, it feels like there's a lot of time between now and WrestleMania, but when you look at it as far as, like, a pay-per-view schedule and a weekly thing, like, there really isn't. And so, it like, I hated that, like, that match was so great and for them to just kind of, like, sweep it under the rug for this Charlotte program, which is a program that I'm excited about, but at the same time, it just felt weird to push Bianca now knowing that that's where they're going to be 
by WrestleMania. Yeah, it's uh, it, and I don't I I personally am not thrilled with the Charlotte Rhea thing. It highlights Rhea's weaknesses. Going against Charlotte sure. highlights her not great. She's not great on the mic. And when you're going against someone who is, yes, that can go one of two ways. One can carry you or you just get kind of put out here Lost. for your weaknesses to show. Yeah. And I feel like that's what's happening with her. But uh, us one on the card uh, was uh, Johnny Gargano and Finn Balor. That was the one that I was looking forward to the most. I think that was the best match of the night. Uh, that was really – it was Finn Balor has n- – not been this good in a very long time. Yeah. You mean and as Matt predicted, Finn Balor. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to yeah, put predicted. it out there. There is the tape. Here's, yeah, here's we the, have here's receipts. The, here's, here's the thing. Camera. We have receipts from a year ago. <laughs> Johnny Gargano is a workhorse and makes yes. everyone he is in the ring with look fantastic. Yes. So what Jim is saying is Finn Balor is not as good as you predicted. Yeah, no, he is. And and the thing is, though, these are both – he's right. He is one of the best workers in NXT. But, again, when Ciampa was going against him, Ciampa was, is, is a great wrestler. Sure. He makes the match better, absolutely. But you still have to have the talent to go in that ring and make put on a show. And both of those guys knocked it out of the park. Also, shout out to Johnny Gargano wearing Carnage gear. That was yeah, awesome. That was, <laughs> that was really cool. Uh, but that match was great. And Balor winning, it, like the per- this was perfectly laid out because Balor winning keeps the heat on him. He's the hottest heel in NXT, arguably aside from the Fiend WWE. Mm-hmm. So then you have him win. He keeps his momentum. Johnny Gargano then comes back later at the very end, and keeps Ciampa from winning the championship, screwing over his former friend and tag team partner, setting up a great rivalry between those two so we can move away from the undisputed versus Ciampa thing because that is getting kind of old. Well, especially for that to move on. Well, on the undisputed front, like it was interesting to see how many titles were dropped. Knocked down a peg. They got one now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Roderick (laughs) Strong losing his and then the tag champs losing theirs. Like, Which I did not expect. Broken weights totally <laughs> threw me. I did not expect them all to drop their belt. So yeah. at the end of the night, Undisputed Era, arguably like the biggest group stable in NXT, has one title from four. <laughs> it had wow. four titles. Yeah. So, But I love that. I love that direction. It keeps them fresh, gets them, makes them hungry again because it was getting a little old every time you heard right. the music. Like, oh, they come out with the belts. Mm-hmm. Uh, just one last thing. Uh, Keith Lee is like one of the most – the He's one of the most entertaining, fun to watch wrestlers. Like I want that dude wrestling. on the main roster so badly, but at the same time, like I know he is going to get so lost. <laughs> they screw all him up. But he's like so cocky. But the and... matches, but the matches that he's had on the main roster have yeah. been so great. Yes, that I don't know who else on the NXT roster he can really go against yeah. for it to really be entertaining. I will give Dijakovic credit. He came out, he, he athletic. I mean, these guys are like Keith Lee is like 280, almost 300 pounds and is doing flips and, mm-hmm. and wow. jumping o- completely over people man. that are like six, five, <laughs> like, like the dude is amazing. Uh, and then Dijakovic is a, it's just a big, just burly guy. And he's also like diving off the top turnbuckle. And like, I've, I was impressed. So this sets oh, also got to give a shout out to Tegan Knox. Uh, who did a rock the Captain Marvel Krieger? That was that was sweet. Uh, but the Dakota Kai rivalry has been the best thing for her. She's kind of if I have to call like who I'm looking forward to in the next year of really taking the ball and run with it, kind of like I did before. Uh, I will say it is Tegan Knox because I think this she didn't have a character before. She was always she was oh you saw the talent, but you can never see like I, I don't know her. I can't get behind that person because I don't really have a character yet. She's starting to get that. That match was a street fight, and it was fun, and they took some risks, and they did a lot of stuff. So, And then they set up a rivalry for her going forward. So mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. It was a great show, I thought. I, it, it was one of the best NXT takeovers that they've had in a while. Yeah. It was a solid card, solid matches. Uh, I'm usually the one who's pretty down on NXT, but this this was a great show. Yeah. I was going to say, when Jim gives you an all-solid, that's yeah. Shining endorsement right there. Question, how long has this been kind of going? Like NXT in general for obviously I don't I'm not into wrestling. You like, look over here. Well, yeah. NXT this is my break segment. Uh so I'm not actually sure about the exact It's years. about 5 years or so, maybe yeah. even longer. But NXT started out as like their developmental training essentially. And then they got like a small show at like my old college and they oh. set up a thing where they could like 
it was really for people to get their characters and to get better in the ring and stuff. And they yeah. just televised them. Yeah, like and, the partnership they had with Full Sail was like you could go in as a like a broadcast or like just like a broadcast engineer or whatever to learn how to you know, operate cameras and things like that while using like the WWE product. And then in return, WWE got a show that they were able to put, um, out, uh, you know, on their network, on their network. Yeah. Yeah. And Uh, then eventually it got popular and it kept getting popular and the crowd got really behind it. And so over time they just started kind of bringing in known talent from like the Indies and things like that. And even some of the other like bigger promotions to be part of it. So then it kind of went from developmental to, yeah, it's still kind of developmental, but like there's actually like big talent like Samoa Joe but even, came like, but, there. And, but even, like, but so many of today's top WWE talent on the on the main two shows, yeah. your Seth Rollins mm-hmm. and, Lynch, you know, uh, Becky Lynch, uh, all Charlotte, that, all, all came from NXT. Wow. So That's it's really become cool. now the third brand. Triple H gets mad at you. Also, shout outs to Full Sail. Yeah. I, oh, wait, you I went to Full Sail? I didn't go to Full Sail, but I shot my first music video with what? the students there and they were awesome. I love awesome. Full Sail. Yeah, they didn't have NXT when I was going to college there yeah. <laughs> I, just, like, I missed all that uh so yeah so that was nxt all right well you're not done yet comics all right so i'm gonna try and run through these uh lots of comics this week uh batman 89 uh this is the i i actually this is the first one i know we talked about batman a couple times in the post tom king run uh this is the first one that kind of started to like win me over this is a fun they've harley been they've been bad <laughs> no, no, the other ones have been bad. This was the one that started to win me over because Harley, uh, this is a Harley Catwoman story for the half of it. It's actually fun. I like Gillian March's artwork. Uh, it's a fun caper for them. Once you get into the designer stuff, you start to lose me. Uh, but I'm hoping that something will come of that. Uh, Punchline has a very quick thing. So like the Joker stuff, I'm still not like on board with. But half of the story is a Joe is a Catwoman Harley story, and that's fun. I, I like that. If you are a uh, a collector slash speculator or whatever, this is the issue to get for Punchline. Yeah. So if you're going to buy a bunch of copies, this is technically you're assuming Punchline is going to be a thing. But it, this it is technically her first appearance somehow. It'll, uh, <laughs> it will be. I mean, look, I mean, people are still talking about what that character Joker's daughter from years yeah. ago. Uh, it still has some heat her on name. the secondary mark. Still, still around. She, still around. She just, doesn't she just go by Joker's daughter? I don't. She no, just, that's her name. That's her name. Yeah, right. Don't yeah. Duella Dent is her name. Yeah. But like she's Clear in the bombshells. But she, like her biggest thing now is she's part of the bombshells line. So right. that's like she, she's not doing a lot in the comics. <laughs> but whatever. Hey, so, yeah. she's around. So right, if you're, if you're right on the collecting right. side of things, this is the issue to get if you care about first appearances and whatnot. Uh, also the designer, too. Number 57, uh, Baby, is all I'm going to say. And so if you've been following Aquaman. How, how long has this story been going on? It's, this is good. It's been good. You leave too, Aquaman alone, Jim. Too long. Uh, Teen Titans, number 39. Uh, I, this is the most dysfunctional comics family. And I love it. I, I absolutely eat it up every every time. Uh, flash forward, number six. This whole series has been a weird, botchy thing to fix Wally West post-Heroes in Crisis and all this stuff. Well, especially so, knowing like where it's going to, too. Yeah. Like to Generation 1 and all the art. So this issue is like the next step in his uh, evolution and it and it restores some things and it changes some others. So if you care about Wally West, you're going to want to read this just to know what's going on with the character. Whether you like it or not, I imagine a lot of people won't, but whether you like it or not remains to be seen. Uh, Deceased Unkillables, number one. So uh, the spinoff to Deceased uh, is out. Tom Taylor, uh, it's great. Um, This is the villains. So the villains that were left behind and didn't go on the the carriers to another planet. This is just telling their story and what they're doing in this post world in a world that we we now know the reader knows that there is a cure for this virus. But no one else knows other than Cyborg, who died in the last oh, series. Uh, Wonder Woman, Dead Earth, number two. Uh, Superman uh, smashes the clan, number three. Uh, moving into Marvel, Daredevil, number 18. Marauders, number eight. Uh, if you wanted an example of how amazingly... Uh, I'm trying to find another way to say a word. So uh, who, how awesome Iceman can be <laughs> uh, without cussing. Uh, this is a book to read. Uh, Iceman goes on like this revenge spree in this and it's awesome. It is Marauder is still the, the best of the Shining. X-Men books. Shining star. Even better than X-Men. Uh, New Mutants yeah, number well. seven. Uh, Captain America number 19. Captain Marvel number 15. Uh, the first Dawn of X Wave 2 book is out this week. Uh, Wolverine number one. 
Uh, we have Guardians of the Galaxy number two. Hold on, I want to just back up to Wolverine number one because we happen to get a physical copy of it. I yeah. read it. It's really good. Like, I am not a huge Wolverine fan. He's not, he's not a big Wolverine person. This I'm not surprising. a big Wolverine fan, uh, but this it, it, this plays in between a lot of things that are going on in some of the other books that Wolverine is in, which is what I didn't necessarily expect because usually it's a like Wolverine solo books are him going off doing his own thing, not connected to anything in in any way. And but holy moly, I have always been a huge Adam Kubert fan. Yeah, this is him. Fantastic. This is top notch. Adam Kubert. It's so good. And then, but like there's, it's two books in one, basically it's an oversized, it's an oversized issue. And, and, and I forget, I forget his name. I think it's Victor. Um, oh man, it's going to really bother me. But anyway, this dude has a, it comes from like the Capullo school of style and whatnot for the second half. And if you wanted to see like what a great Capullo Wolverine book would look like like Love. this 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 is that and it's got Omega Red in it and that's all you need oh, to, that's, that's all you yeah, need to get me it. in okay yeah so uh, but yeah no it definitely check definitely check I will say this is if you were looking for a, a connection here Ben Percy who writes um the X-Force book he has said in the past that this Wolverine is his favorite character he was more excited. It's kind of like a Marauders thing of when Jerry Duggan was kind of like, I've always wanted to do a pirate book, and I finally got the chance to do a pirate book. This is like Percy going, this is my all-time favorite character. I get to write this character. So this feels like you can see the enthusiasm. The other artist is Victor Bogdanovich. Oh, very nice. And he- like, You're giving he credit. Is- I, I, I felt bad because it was really, really good. He's someone who has done a bit of work for, for DC. I'd love to see him do some more work uh, over at Marvel. Uh, uh, if we're giving props to artists, I will say uh, Deadpool number three. I still stand that book so hard. It's so this, fun. Oh, is, ridiculous. That still, is that Pachalo or is they, Yeah, man. Oh, I, love, I love his artwork. And it's a baby shark. There's a shark named Jeff. Oh, my God. And Jeff the shark and all the facial expressions. It's so stupid and fun. And I love it. And it still has Essel Bloodstone. Uh, Runaways number 30. Atlantis Attacks number two. Marvel's Voices number one. TMNT number 103. Firefly number 14. The Transformers number 17. Bloodshot number zero. Bang number one, which is a new book from Dark Horse Comics that is getting a lot of good reviews. Uh, God Killers number one, a new book from Aftershock, which is also getting good reviews. Uh, and then uh, Dragon Age Blue Wraith number two, which for any Dragon Age fan, uh, this issue, like I liked the last issue. This issue is way better and it's because it has Fenris in it. So Dragon Age 2 fans unite. So that is comics. Nice. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. We want to thank you guys for tuning in with us. If you are just getting into the show these days, we put up new episodes every Wednesday, every Friday on comicbook.com, where you can subscribe to our RSS feed and get regular updates about the show, or you can subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Google Playlist, or you can check out videos of the show on the comicbook.com YouTube page. If you want to continue the discussion with us about any of the topics we talked about or anything else on your mind, please hit us up at the hashtag ComicBookNation, or you can reach me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Janelle Wheeler. You can find me at MagularCB. And if you love the show, go on iTunes, leave us a five-star review. We will semi-regularly check on all five-star reviews on iTunes and read a whole batch of them on the air. And if we read yours, you get a free Comic Book Nation t-shirt. So be sure to leave that review if you are a fan of the show. That'll do it for this episode. We want to thank you guys for tuning in, as always, to Season 2. And we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.